Dr. Airsoft's here. He's done a number of online blogs about uh, iPro safety gear. Airsoftmedicine.com. So, yeah, give him a round of applause. Yeah! Who's missing their field uh, card? Hey, this is Master Sergeant Mad Max Mullen. I want to encourage you all. And matter of fact, I'm going to give you an order to listen to Airsoft Medicine for the latest reviews on safety and equipment. Because one of the um, premier things is safety, whether it's on the real fields of battle or in the airsoft world. So that's an order. Airsoft Medicine. This is Mad Max. Ranger out. This is Willie from High Ground Airsoft, and you're listening to Airsoft Medicine. Hey, this is Jay Rue from Airsoft Barracks. You've seen me on Jay Rue vs. Michael. Make sure that you are listening to Airsoft Medicine. He may be right. I may be crazy, but it might, just might be a lunatic he's looking for. He's Dr. Airsoft. Yes, thank you very much. And this is the Airsoft Medicine Show. Not only is this the Airsoft Medicine Show, this is a unique show. We've never done one. Like, <laughs> What he means is we're doing the show in our underwear. Did we have to? T- okay, here's, here's the reason. Okay, Airsoft Medicine is an airsoft uh, podcast about airsoft protection and safety and more. And this week we are at SHOT Show, which has uh, the industry show for the gun industry and has uh, a section or sections of it that apply to airsoft, airsoft guns, airsoft eye protection, and, and we're covering it. So we're here and we've been through the two major days of the show that we're participating in. And then uh, tomorrow morning we may get a little bit of something, but we're really leaving town. So it, it doesn't count and we're not counting on getting anything out of it so it's midnight uh, our last night of the show and and it's the 15th we always put out the show by the oh it's the 16th now thank you so it's the 16th now so we're sharing one microphone here and at midnight getting uh our thoughts from shot show down so that we can get this to you a a day late this month this is what the first time we've been a day late in the three plus years we've been doing this I haven't been keeping track. You're the OCD person, so I'll leave that part up to you. But I know I know people tend to go, "Hey, where's your where's your podcast? It's sixteenth and are you guys still out there?" No, no, that's never happened. It's when it's the fifteenth they get a little jumpy. <laughs> I'm thinking, wow, guys, you need to get a life. So we've been here at Shot Show now for two days, covering uh, whatever we can find to make these videos because this is actually a video sh- a trip. It's like our one year, once a year video thing we do. And then every other month we're doing the podcast and you just, just grab the mic whenever you want to jump in. So we've been going from booth to booth to booth showing all sorts of um, items there that we're seeing different guns and uh, only really, uh, we went to two iPro station so far, although I hope to hit another one tomorrow. So far, we visited the folks at ESS and the folks at Revision. And at ESS, we really said, you know, we know about the Cortex clip. We know about the turbo fan goggles. And they don't have a new product. And they didn't have a cool display like last year where they're shooting the lenses. So we moved on to Revision, uh, who also does not have necessarily a new product, but they're making a more of a push to let people know about their anti-fog coating, which... I'd, I'd like to see uh, more anti-fog protection in the Revision products compared to the ones I've had from before. So did, did you get the feel that this was something new or that this is on the products that we have from years ago? 
I I don't I don't say anything shockingly new in that end. You know, iPro is kind of iPro. There, there haven't been any real big time innovations in it. I mean, I guess the the Cortex clip or the or the fan goggles are, are kind of the the big innovation. I don't know what for you has been the the most uh, interesting innovation just in airsoft world. Period. Not just iPro. No, no, not just iPro, but um, for what we've seen at the show this this uh, week. Okay, I, I, it's kind of strange to say this. There's been such changes at KWA over the last year um, that I did not anticipate the new products that they had there, like the KZ75 Auto, like the K-something-45C, <laughs> K... I don't remember the whole, it was a KC45C, anyway. Um, so I should probably tell you guys what these are instead of just throwing out names. Uh, the KZ75, which is the Czech um, pistol that KW has had, now they have a version of it that has full auto capability. Well, that's not necessarily new. They had that with the M93R. But it also has a way that you can take the magazine upside down and slide the base plate onto a... a essentially a rail it's kind of like a tactical rail maybe it is a tactical rail uh, and it will hold on there as a an, an angled foregrip on the kz75 and then they also comes with two magazines so you you have one sticking out there and they're different um capacities too so picture this you you got a pistol two magazines one's ma- in the magazine well the other one's mounted upside down and slanted back toward the trigger guard no, it's it's angled forward. Oh, it was it forward actually? Yeah, I guess it would act as a grip. Anyway, you, you shoot one magazine dry, you could quickly tear the other one off. You know, slide it off and reload and keep going. Yeah, yeah. Or, or if you have the time, you can switch them and and put the other one on and have an even longer foregrip on the gun. And then the the, the KZ, or no, I'm sorry, the the K something. I'm sorry, I don't have it right in front of me right now. Um, 45C is it, it reminds me of the Magpul PTS PDR, except it's uh, KWA without Magpul involved. And I really, honestly, I, I can't remember looking at it, thinking of a significant difference. Uh, okay, the magazines that it takes. It takes magazines that the old KWA Chris took. I say old because <laughs> something happened between KWA and Chris. We'll get into that later, I think. And uh, so it's more like what would be, uh, say, like a forty-five caliber type of mag from a, a pistol uh, instead of an M4 type mag like the PDR. Well, keep in mind, listeners, that this, uh, unlike other podcasts, this will have a visual component to it. Because virtually everything we're talking about here, we've done a video on uh, from SHOT Show. So who knows? Maybe you've already watched the videos by the time you listen to the podcast, if you're one of our, our more ardent fans, or... Listening to this might drive you to the videos, which would be fine in either case. Oh, well, but enough of that silliness. Um, well, we should probably talk airsoft. Okay, back to KWA. So uh, I left off with the K-something-something 45C, and then we saw their MP40, the German World War II one. Yeah. They're, they're, oh, I'm sorry. You know, it's just... It's just that when I was a kid watching World War II movies, I always thought the Germans had the cooler-looking guns. And here, and here it is. It's that, that whatever it was they called it, it was a Schmeisser or whatever the heck it was, that machine gun. It's just way cool. 
And as far as weaponry, I don't think weaponry was the reason they lost the war. No, no, they they lost it because uh, we outproduced them and outspent them and outsupplied them and everything else. But that this is not a history lesson. And so this would be a good time to make a transition from KWA to uh, I'm trying to remember was ICS or GG GNG ICS no GNG GNG because they had a weapon that the Americans were actually using in World War II still, uh, even though it was supposed to be replaced by the M1 at that point, but they didn't have enough M1 grants to do the job. So some people were using the... What was it? The 1903 uh, Springfield, the bolt-action Springfield. It, it, saw, it saw its life from the Banana Wars right up through... Well, it was, it was in use through World War II, uh, Korea, and frankly, it showed up in a little bit in Vietnam as a sniper rifle. But, it, by then, of course, uh, the World War II uh, go-to gun was the M1. But uh, anyway, G&G has a, a, a fabulous-looking 1903 uh, wood, all wood stock, um, not to be confused with Woodstock, the rock festival. Again, for those of you too young to remember that, back in 1969, no, never mind. Um, the, uh, it's a bolt action. And can be used as a sniper rifle. Gas uh, bolt action. Nine-round uh, nine capacity on, in the magazine, I believe he said. I think they said they're going to have one that's a little bit larger capacity, too. Yeah. I, you know, I, 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 as a collector and as a, a one who appreciates guns, I really found that one fascinating. But I'm not so sure how what kind of a widespread appeal it will have to the, the uh, Milsim community. It's so neat, but can you imagine actually taking that as your primary weapon at a game? The the only time I can see it is the the reenactors or the theme games, you know, where you've got to have authentic weapons from the era. Which I actually do want to do that for World War II, and I want to do it with a 1903. I want to do it with an M1. I want to do it with a Schmeiser. Yeah, that, all that stuff would be cool, and then you'd have to wear, you know, Germans, and then Nazi symbols, and then the the... the the, our government would be following you around. Why are you collecting Nazi stuff? Now, I've seen people who do that, and they have all the authentic uh, German outfit, but they just simply come up with a way to avoid actually having the swastika itself on it. They, they either modify it to something else or, or leave it out entirely, but do the rest of the uniform. Put the, uh, they put the stars and bars on there, the Dixie flag instead, or what? I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or they don't tread on me, or... Yeah, or McDonald's Golden Arches, anything, uh, just to avoid having that. So that that's the ICS gun that we were really wanting to get. And then also at ICS, we, we threw a bone to our friend uh, Scott, who has written to the show several times and now has has honored us on, on his big hour-long uh, YouTube channel show on Airsoft, it, which is very kind. Thank you, Scott. So we went ahead and uh, threw out his name as we showed him the uh, Galil by uh, ICS, which they call the ICAR line. Um, and I want to call it the AGR, IGR, but I know that's probably wrong. It was a support weapon version of the Galil. And it had the the, the bipod in front. And uh, oh, what else did it have? Oh, it had that handle on the side, kind of like you see on, is it an M60 that has that handle? So it, you should you should be able to use it. The M249 also has a that kind of a carry handle. 
Yeah, and so you could use it as a support weapon, uh, except it's kind of like the Israeli version. So Scott was thinking a Galil would be cool to have. Also at ICS, we uh, talked a little bit about the um, grease gun. The, is that the M3? Okay, M3 grease gun. It, it's uh, different from the one that uh, is made by Ares because it doesn't have your battery in your magazine, which I, I prefer not to have my battery in my magazine because if I'm, if I'm going to change out my magazine, I want <laughs> not to have to pay for a whole battery just to have another magazine for it. And, and the other thing that was new about it is they have mid caps for it. And so that's some of what we saw in, in guns, and that's some of the stuff that got my attention. And well, what got my attention really th- this week for me is the time, to, real steel, where we get to touch fully automatic weapons, real stuff, or, or go out to the range and, and shoot at, what did we, uh, the, the 338 Lapua Magnum at, at th- was at 980 yards, and the guy saying, oh, you hit the target. Well, I'm going to have to take your word for it because the thing jars you, and then you're looking through this scope, and the slightest movement, you you completely lose the sight picture and the guy in the spotting scope will tell you, Oh, you got it. Yeah. Well, thanks. But he, he's, he's lying. I know he's lying. He's just, you know, making you feel good about it. But, but to go out to Boulder city to this range where all of the exhibitors have got, uh, some kind of setup and, and we're talking, uh, we're talking handguns. We're talking rifles, you know, long range rifles, submachine guns, uh, crossbows, shotguns. Um, gosh, I think we played with all of them. It, it, it's good stuff. I got to fire the uh, fully automatic shotgun. <laughs> uh, well, not- no, I'm sorry, not fully automatic. No, no, no. That's on. Uh, who, who's the guy who has a video with that? Oh, FPS Russia. He has the fully automatic, the semi automatic shotgun. I'm sorry, semi automatic shotgun. And that was an experience. Yeah, yeah, I see you were you were, you were smiling big when 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 you finished that one. It's and and the best part it's somebody else's ammo that you're blowing down range. You know that's always good stuff. But but talking about going to a range, we we went to a little event sponsored by Chris. You want to get into this, Doctor? Oh yeah, we okay. So Chris uh, takes us over to this um, NGV Nevada Gun Vegas. Anyway, one of these indoor places that's just off from the strip where the uh, convention is, and. They were allowing us to shoot a suppressed vector, uh, Chris Vector, uh, full, fully automatic, <laughs> and, uh, and able, yeah, the forty-five caliber, and able to experience how it has a, a controlled recoil. We'll call it. There's still rec- recoil to it. You still have to lean into it, and you still have this muzzle kind of tending to go upward. But you're able to stay on target. Is the thing that's unique. You know, as far as the uh, targets they use there, the man-sized silhouette at. What was it, 45 feet or so? And that was really cool. But the reason that they had us come, you know, that's a real still thing. Why are we talking about this on Airsoft? It's because the people who left another Airsoft company that's made excellent product over the years, and everybody says good things about them, almost all of their American staff left to a a company called Chris that makes the Chris Vector. You may remember that KWA actually had a Chris Vector, and I think they still do. Um, although I'm not sure what's going on with the licensing on that. And they are starting to, this real gun company is making their own in-house Airsoft line. They're starting with an M4 line because that's what you do in Airsoft. You start with an M4 and you build up a following and you show people what you can do. Then you can move on to other things and even be experimental if you want. So this M4 line is called their Trident line and it's under the name 
they don't call it Chris. They don't call it Vector. Uh, Chris is the name of the company. They call it Crytac with a K, K-R-Y-T-A-C. And uh, Alan Lau of, of, of Chris and Crytek was telling us about how in working for another company, they would have these things that would come up, uh, either needed repairs or things that could be different or things that were kind of proprietary and work better if they were more compatible with the Marui patterns so that you could interchange parts. And talking about all these things that they put into it, and I think he told us we aren't allowed to say any of the details, but <laughs> I, I, we will eventually. I'm sorry, we'll, we'll, we'll obey the rules, and we'll just you know kind of throw it out as a teaser for now that these things are coming, and we will tell you details as we are able to, and as that gets to be more public. And part of, part of this stuff is these guys tend to trust us not to do that, and if we ever expect them to talk to us again, we don't want to you know, step all over their trust. So we're not being coy. Um, they'll release information when they can release it, but we did get to see some very cool stuff. And, and we know that the airsoft milsim crowd out there will be much pleased when they see it. I can remember when Jonathan Higgs of airsoftology would do things like this on his podcast. And I'd, I, you know, I just wonder what, what in the world could it be that he's not saying he's not telling. And now we're those people that, so that's, Kind of cool for a milestone for the podcast. One of the things I saw that I thought was excessive, though, for airsoft was the uh, the the replica, the dead on replica pistols. Now it was great stuff over at the at the Palco booth that were made by what was the company, the, the uh, Japanese company that makes them? Uh, was it Inakatsu? Yeah. Now are you talking the ones at the Palco booth or the ones at the? Well, they're at both of them. They're at both of them. Yeah, yeah. The the, the Inakatsus. Uh, anyway, they had like a. And they're all Colt branded, you know, the Colt 1911, made to look like it was a vintage World War II weapon. You know, like, you know, something you find in Grandpa's attic. It's got a little bit of rust looking stuff on and the the uh, the grips are a little weathered looking and uh, a beautiful piece. Um, and then uh, what, what else did they have? The, uh, was it a uh, M&P or, uh, yeah, Smith & Wesson M&P, just full full replica weight. Full feels like the real steel thing that was made by VFC. Okay, well, but anyway, these these things were selling for like close to a grand. The M and P wasn't that. That's a regular gun, yeah. but the, you're talking about the Inokatsus that had the uh, the Colt and the uh, yeah yeah the Colts. Anyway, no, no, it wasn't the Colt. The Colt was the Python. No, so the, the Colt Colt made the forty five. Oh, oh, the, I'm sorry, the 45, the 1911. But, but the point is, well, you know, if you're going to spend that kind of money, you're not that far off from buying, you know, getting a real one. Well, why the heck would you? And, and if you spent that kind of money on a pistol, you know, nine hundred thousand bucks or whatever it is, would you take it out and play it in a milsim game? Would really? Would you do that? I'd, I wouldn't. Yeah, it, it, it's a very, very limited uh, market. You know, milsim collect. Just for the collect, I guess a lot of a lot of airsoft is just for collecting. I know a lot of people probably are doing that or having collections, but at that level, that that does seem to be a very limited market. I'll I'll agree with that. Yeah. So why do you go to the trouble to do it? I yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you were mentioning the uh, Smith and Wesson M and P. This is the full size. They had the compact last year. Now they've got the full size version. It also has the full auto capability. And uh, uh, Spartan Imports also showed us the FN five seven Fabrique National five seven pistol, which is all plastic, 
I believe it's made by Marushin. And I was skeptical of it, although I, I did fire it. Uh, you see that in one of the videos, and I was very pleased with it. Um, but it, it is still a plastic gun. We got to talk about Carlton. Carlton's shotgun. Okay, so you want to tell the story? Yeah. So we're uh, we run into this, our, our buddy Carlton Shaw, and he says, "Hey, yeah, what do you got, Carlton, for us uh, new?" He says, "Well, meet me over at this one particular booth." Well, we went over to the booth. He wasn't there. Well, somebody gave us Carlton's number. We call Carlton. He says, uh, meet me in my hotel room. Uh, I'm staying at such and such a place. Gives us the room. We go on over there. We, it's, it's seems kind of sketchy. But we, we, we've, we've had demonstrations from Carlton before, his grenades and so forth. He demonstrates them in, in, in the bathroom because the, the BBs can fly all over the place inside a hotel room and somebody else can clean it up. Well, it's because you can't do it at SHOT Show. Right. You can't touch off stuff at the show. Anyway, he gets us over there, and, and you'll see the video coming live to you and direct from Carlton's bathroom. He's got this weird-looking apparatus that it's a, it's, it's a tube of metal with, uh, it looks like something, you know, you cobble together in, in shop when you're bored or something. But he explains he's coming from Canada, and he doesn't want to bring a, a Remington 870 shotgun replica with him, you know, because of the hassle of getting flying it with on a plane, getting it over the, through customs and all that stuff. So the, the parts were all disassembled, and it looks like some kind of a high-tech zip gun. But what he's got, this was the, the breech assembly and the barrel of a, what's going to be a shotgun that, that shoots, what was it, I think he said 16 pellets, uh, 16 BBs at 350 FPS, all of them going. Now, unlike other shotguns, where, where uh, airsoft shotguns, where like two BBs will come out, pretty good and the rest of them will kind of fling out there like you're feeding the chickens you know it's just they flop out there and they're weak or uh if you get a light load all of the power goes to the one bb and you're 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 violating the field rules what carlton's got is something that will shoot all of these bbs whether it's the 16 of them or only one of them or any in between depending on what was left in your in your magazine all of them will go out at a consistent 350 FPS. And he demonstrates this for us. And you'll see it on the video where he shoots it into a cardboard box on, on the bed of his hotel room. Every BB, there's like 16 entry wounds into this cardboard box, uh, about a half a dozen exit wounds, and then the rest of the BBs are rattling around in the box. Now, the problem with it is that he doesn't have anybody to manufacture it. He's invented the thing, but he, he doesn't have the means to manufacture. So he's kind of putting it out there through us and other outlets to get it into the the, the hands of, or that concept into the hands of you, our listeners, to um, get a groundswell of appreciation or, or demand for this thing. I, I think it could be awesome. It really could be. I, I was actually talking to my wife on the phone about it, and she, she saw the video. She thought, oh, you know, that's going through how many layers of cardboard and you're going to have how many of those shooting at you? That, that, ooh, that, I'm not so sure that it sounds like, you know, she thinks it sounds very high powered. And so I was thinking it through and going, okay, yeah, uh, that's right in line with, with an AEG by normal field rules. But then I thought, what is the range of a shotgun? Isn't it about the same as the range of a pistol? Mm, effective range, yeah. I mean, you know, you're not going to get these hundred yard shots. I mean, these you know, duck hunters and whatever, it's, you know, it's fa fairly close in the, you know. So shouldn't it be about the same power as a pistol? 
Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. But you'll call your hits with this one. <laughs> you get pasted with this puppy. You go, yeah, I'm hit. I, I would lean towards uh, encouraging Carlton. I'll, I'll probably have to send him an email to say this, that we should probably have more like a pistol and maybe 350 be the absolute max and, and maybe have it you know down closer to 300. But hey, that's something you guys can comment on and write in on the video because uh, Carlton wants lots of comments on this. He wants lots of buzz on it to get the attention of some kind of a, a potential manufacturer for it. And uh, we'd appreciate you guys helping out Carlton because we, we'd like to see this come to market. One other thing we touched on, and this is probably going to take a whole different show, and it will in the future because uh, our, our California state legislature has taken up Senator DeLeon's newest bill that would be uh, SB 199. And, and as we are talking to you live and direct now, it's um, SB 199 has passed through the Senate uh, Public Safety Committee. It, 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 it's the rainbow um, airsoft bill. The, all your airsoft markers and markers. I, I went back to paintball. Um, all your airsoft guns will be have to be required to be painted or colored bright colors or have a clear body or something so that they can't be mistaken for real weapons. And uh, let me just summarize by saying the industry is very, very concerned this time. They're looking like um, you know somebody's about to drop an atom bomb on them. So understand. Yeah, what we're going to do is tell you guys what you can do and when. Uh, currently, uh, what I encourage is, because of our past experience, that at this point, only California voters contact your legislator. Find out who your uh, district, uh, what your district is for who your senator is and what your district is for who your assemblyman is, uh, assembly representative, and contact them through in-person, phone, email, snail mail, to tell them the reasons, intelligent reasons, and I think we may still have some of that stuff on our website from the previous bills, uh, reasons for uh, not voting for this or for voting against what's currently called SB 199. Uh, that's not necessarily the thing to do just right yet, although as we're recording this, uh, since it is in the Public Safety Committee, but if you do happen to... Um, and see, it made it through committee, so it's going to go through the whole Senate. So I guess it would be appropriate to write your senator now and to do it in a very respectful way. And again, please, only people who are actually in California at this point, because when the past, when everybody else from out of state did it, it actually was a bit uh, distasteful to the legislators to be getting that. And it didn't help uh, in our cause. Yeah. Well, it's almost one in the morning now, and I'm going to sleep like the rest of our listeners. And so I, I mean, I'm going to join our listenerhood in, and, and uh, go to sleep. We'll, we'll come back at you next month. Until next time, this is Rangemaster Larry and myself telling you to play safely. <laughs>